This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM. Here's what's coming up on this week's show. We'll be chatting to Northern Ireland defender Julie Nelson. They have booked their place in their first ever Euro playoffs. What a result the other night against the Faroe Islands too. We will be discussing it all with her shortly. Warren Point Town's Fran McCaffrey discusses their own piece of history. Last weekend they got their first ever win over Linfield not to be sniffed at at all. And Lauren man Jeff Hughes, the club captain, tucked away the winning penalty in the County Antrim Shield final, bidding that he should be the hero. He relives that moment with us and talks title hopes on the programme in a little while. All that and more right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Yes, welcome along here for another week and as you've heard, a packed show as always. So we're going to get right into it and we'll begin with my interview with Julie Nelson. I caught up with her on Wednesday evening after their success and I began by asking her, had it all sunk in yet after a crazy 24 hours? Yeah, uh, no, we're, we're still down on Clyde 9 at the moment. Um, my phone hasn't stopped uh, since the game last night. Um, you know, I haven't got caught up on most and probably half of the messages that I've received so far. You know, I've been overwhelmed, obviously, um, by the support that we've received both individually and obviously collectively as a group. And it's just been amazing to see the, the hype, you know, that, that the team have created. You said it yourself on social media, eight qualifying campaigns, 16 years pulling on that green jersey. Did you ever think you would get to a stage like this, the Euro playoffs? No, definitely not. You know, it's always, obviously that's what you aim for every qualifying campaign you go into, but um, we've never really been close before. Um, one, there was one campaign we managed to finish third in our group, which was amazing at that point in time. But um, to be in this position now is just incredible. You know, we, we played eight games in this campaign and only lost two of them. And for a Northern Ireland team, um, that's just amazing. And now it's four wins on the bounce. You must feel invincible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've definitely never been able to say that before in my international career. Um, I think uh, before this four-game run, I think that the most we had had was two in a row, um, competitively anyway. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic. And we knew that these games were four games that we had to win. Um, but to be able to actually do that and achieve that um, is just incredible. How much of that is down to the manager and the coaching staff that he has brought in? Yeah, they've obviously had a massive impact on us. Um, you know, the squad is, is so together now and they've instilled a lot of belief and a lot of confidence in players and some brought in some new players to the fold that maybe hadn't been in before. Um, and there's a really good blend now within the squad and within the coaching staff as well. You know, I think they all complement each other really well. Um, and, and the, you know, they've improved us all individually and obviously collectively as a group as, as well as that. 
because I think it's fair to say, you know, in recent years, what, if you had had the amount of injuries, suspensions, clubs not making players available, whatever scenario you want to talk about, you'd be thinking, where's the depth? How are we going to replace these key players? That has happened in this campaign, and yet it feels like whoever's been chosen has lived up to their task and more. Yeah, um, we were talking about that through the week, you know, the number of players obviously we have out injured at the moment, and now we've obviously had it, unfortunately, Demi, um, you know, to this on a long-term basis now as well. So, um, you know, she's going to have uh, big boots to fill, you know, going into the playoffs. But as you say, you know, we've got great um, strength and depth now within the squad, and I don't think throughout the campaign we, we potentially, I don't think, had everybody available um, for any of the games. Um, I can't, can't really remember as far back as last September, to be honest, but um, I, I don't think, you know, we, we had a full, a full complement of players. Um, so hopefully, you know, we, we'll be able to draw on, obviously, the likes of if we can get Simone back, we can get Emma McMaster back, hopefully Megan Bell back, you know, and maybe a couple of others, you know, that'll definitely help to strengthen the group again going into the playoff. And that's what's exciting, isn't it? You know, if you've got this far with not a full-strength squad, just imagine what might be capable if everyone was available. Yeah, exactly. Um, I heard them on the commentary last night. Uh, I'm a bit sad and I've watched the game back already, but uh, <laughs> I heard them saying, you know, obviously Simone's a, a massive loss for us, but the number of goals, you know, that we managed to score in the last two games shows that, yes, we can fill the void if, if we're missing the likes of Simone. But I think that goes for any any position that we have um, you know, on the pitch because we have players that now that are capable of stepping up to that level. I mean, you look at it in this qualifying campaign, 17 goals, seven different Northern Irish goal scores, a couple of own goals, but you have to force those things in football, as we all know. That in itself is refreshing. It's really, really encouraging to see. Yeah, and I think that reflects, obviously, the, the style that Kenny has us playing. You know, he, he's not setting us out um, not to lose games. He's setting us out to attack teams and, and to win um, and to play, play a, an attacking style of football. And, you know, I think that was evident, obviously, whenever we played our first competitive game uh, against Norway. And, yes, obviously... It was a 6-0 six, six scoreline, but I don't think um, that probably reflected uh, the, the game. Um, they, they were just very clinical with the chances that they had. And obviously there was a few mistakes, um, you know, around the bag and that kind of thing, because we were adapting to a new style of play. How hard is that for you as a centre-back when the manager says, right, this is a team that, you know, ha- has been on the wrong end of some big results, obviously against larger nations with more investment. And now we're going to get you to play more attacking, which you know rightly as a defender means less support. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, you know it's been a been a, a big transition for us at the back, especially because you know, as as you've said, you know we're used to having more support at the back, and you know, in obviously in the last three or four games there, we, we've played with three at the back, which leaves more spaces obviously for the other team to attack. But um, you know, as Kenny says, you have to you have to take risks in order to to be successful, and I think obviously you can see that that's paid off, and the likes of myself and Ashley and Demi, and obviously Sarah McFadden then last night, thankfully have been able to adapt and adapter game and you know it's I'm I'm really enjoying it because I like to have the ball at my feet you know I, I don't just want to be a defender that just defends you know um I do like I'd say I'd say like the you know the pass and the play so it's been refreshing for for me um you know to have that new style of play as well and what's brilliant I mean for a lot of people that really woke up to women's football in this campaign there's so many stories for them to get their teeth into isn't there you, you can look at the, the history making sisters on the pitch at the same time scoring in the same game but then you can look at the established players who have been there and done like yourself Ashley Hutton Marissa Callahan the list goes on who have been there for the not so good times and are now able to reap the rewards uh, through your own longevity 
Yeah, um, definitely. You know, it was obviously it was a special occasion for the senior players in the squad. Um, you know, as you've said, you know, we've, we've been around a long time. Some of us, you know, like myself, has been, have been there 16 years, but others are 10, 11, 12, you know. Um, and obviously, you know, there's, that's a big part of your life. So, um, you know, it's fantastic, you know, to, to be in, in a European playoff um, after all that time. And as you say, you know, the, it was fantastic um, to have the two McGuinnesses actually get on the pitch last night together because they've been in the last couple of squads but haven't been able to, to get on the pitch together. So to get on the pitch and then to score, you know, and, and to be the first um, siblings in a Northern Ireland team to do that, was, I'm sure it was a special night for them and their family. And Chloe McCarran, we can't not give her a mention first international goal. It was a bit of a screamer. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, you know, she doesn't. She she probably gets a little bit of stick sometimes for maybe not having as many shots as she, as she maybe could. But it was an absolute screamer, and anybody would have been proud of that for their first international goal. Now, I was telling everybody that would listen to me last night, you know, about just how passionate you are about football because I've been lucky to sit beside you in commentary, women's under nineteen European Championships a few years ago. We're traveling all around the place uh, doing matches for that, the Women's Irish Cup final last season. Um, but there's a different feeling, Julie, knowing how passionate you are about football when you're not playing and then watching you play and achieve. I have to say, personally, it was lovely um, because it was also there, that lovely uh, framed shirt behind you yeah. the, the night you got that. I mean, yeah. you've had some incredible nights in football last night. How, how high up the list does that go? Yeah, I think that has the has the top top the list, you know. Um, as I, as I said, you know, it's so special for us, especially the senior players and myself. Obviously, that's been there. Um, you know, as you said, my hundredth caps behind me, and, and that was a special night. But I think last night probably has to top that. And everyone's the emotions have been high. There've been loads of happy tears, and it's been lovely to see that. I mean, Rachel Furness was just about keeping herself together when she was grabbed for a post-match interview. Yeah, I think I think there were a few tears after the interview was finished last night. But um, yeah, there were, yeah, some of the girls were obviously emotional, you know, and um, happy tears, as you say. Um, you know, it's a special occasion for us, and um, other others were able to pull themselves together, but some were some were emotional, you know. So it's uh, it's just great to see the emotions, um, you know, whether it's tears or whether it's happiness or or joy or you know, we we're all all having a sing song and stuff after the game as well, you know. So it was great banter with us all. And you must clearly be a very close group because even Kenny Shields has been getting emotional lately. What have you done to him? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happened, Kenny. I think, uh, I think he, you know, we can just see how much obviously it means to us. And, um, you know, he's there week in, week out with us, especially all the home-based players and, and sees the hard work that, that we've put in. And I suppose probably the, the strides that we've made, you know, since he, he's come in, you know, and, and has helped us all individually. And I think, he, you know, he sees that being reflected um, in the emotions of the players and it's probably then reflecting back on him as well. And with a view to the playoff, obviously we don't know yet who you're going to get. There's still some permutations to work out. Have you any early preferences? Uh, well, so far it's only uh, us, Ukraine and Russia that have definitely qualified for the playoff. So, um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't mind getting Ukraine um, out of those uh, so far. Um, you know, there's some some top teams that still left them with a, a potential of being in the playoffs. So um, a draw against Ukraine would, might be nice. Uh, we played them as being this year and, you know, we, we know what, what kind of team they are. And I think we would be capable of beating them in the playoff if we got that draw. Do you think this is, you know, this, this moment um, is the beginning rather than the culmination of hard work, you know, could this be, I guess, the, the moment where people start to show more support for the women's game, where the investment maybe comes and, and where future success can be built from? Is this 
and your journey is could this be a starting point rather than just a special moment yeah that's what we're hoping for you know we, we can see the attention that that's been given to us now that obviously that we've been successful so far um, and we hope that we can build on that support you know it's great to see the amalgamation of northern Ireland supporters now getting behind us as well and you know it would have been fa fantastic last night if we had been able to have fans in to see you because i have no doubts that we would have filled CV, um you know based on the on the attention that we got after the win on Friday night and then all the hype um, going into last night, uh, I think we definitely would have filled Seaview and hopefully come um, the playoff, we'll be able to get some some fans behind us as well. Um, but yeah, we, we hope it's a watershed moment for women's football in Northern Ireland and hopefully, um, you know, there'll be some young girls in us last night watching that that'll be in hard to go and maybe play football, you know, if, if they're not already doing so. And for those that are at clubs and, and maybe part of the Regional Excellence Programme, um, you know, they, they see what the pinnacle of, of playing international football is now with Northern Ireland and, and hopefully that's something that they want to aim to do in the future. Oh, it would be fantastic. And as you know, I'm a huge supporter. I definitely uh, think that has to happen. Um, just finally, now, because now we know you won the game in comfortable fashion, when you went behind, what were you really thinking? <laughs> uh, that definitely wasn't part of the script anyway. You know, we, we were all thinking what's happened here. But, um, you know, I think... Obviously, um, you know, it was a setback, but it shows the character again, how quickly we got back into the game. And once we got the equaliser and then especially when we got the second goal, I think things calmed down a little bit. Um, you know, the Faroe Islands obviously sat quite deep in the game and they were quite hard to break down because um, they had two solid banks of a, a four and a five and it was hard to find spaces, um, you, know, you know, to play into the forwards. But we showed great patience, um, I think. And then we were much better than the second half once once we had um, worked things out a little bit and Kenny made a couple of tactical changes at halftime and I think that really helped us um, and it was a really enjoyable second half. It's been so exciting watching this campaign. It's probably been a living heart attack for you in some of the matches recently, but you've, you've done it. You've got to the playoffs and we're all so proud of you. Jilly Nelson, thank you uh, for everything you've done on the pitch and for coming onto this programme. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. The score with Michael Clark. There you go, the thoughts of Jilly Nelson. I caught up with her on Wednesday evening. Coming up shortly, we'll be joined by Larne Captain Jeff Hughes to look back on their County Antrim Shield final success. However, now it's time to turn to our next guest. And what a result they had last weekend. They'll be hoping for more of the same. Warren Point Town beat Linfield for the first time in the club's history. And joining us on the show now is the Warren Point Town captain, Fra McCaffrey. Fra, welcome to the show. Oh, cheers, Michael. Cheers. It's great to have you on the programme. And first of all, talk to me about last weekend and that result, because so many people were watching it and rooting on Warren Point Town because you were massive underdogs. Um, how did it feel to get the result? Well, that's it. We were, no one expected us to get anything from the result, but I think um, deep down, as a team, I think we... We thought we could go, Linfield could come and we could get something from them. Um, it was just, it was great. See, see to be honest, uh, after when the years and stuff, the nation come off the pitch and I think that's what made it even more special. That They've waited so long for a result like that to happen and the, to see the smiles on their faces coming off, it was, that was unbelievable. It was better than the win itself, to be honest, if I'm being totally honest with you. Like. Because you've shown glimpses already. I mean, that, that game, um, again, at Milltown against Larne, I know a lot of people feel you probably should have won that game because it was a contentious mm -hmm. equaliser. Um, yeah. It did appear to be a foul on your goalkeeper. Obviously, it ended up a draw, but 
that performance against Lar maybe laid down a bit of a marker and so it wasn't a one-off. You backed it up and, and went one further against Linfield. Yeah, well, um, well even against Crusaders, the first game of the season, I wasn't there. I was self-isolating. But um, apparently the boys done very well and they were very hard done by to not get something in that game too. Then get into Lauren. Um I think we deserved it. There was foul in the kick or whatever. But like, uh, as a team, we know when them, when the any team that comes to Milltown, we can get results from them. And uh, I just think with the way the way it's going at the minute, we just need to look after ourselves and try and get as many points on the table as possible and make sure the teams around us will look after them. The big teams look after themselves. Everyone's up for it, but when the smaller teams come down, they're the ones you need to worry about. And they're the ones, them games are actually sometimes harder because you know you're playing Linfield, you're playing Lauren, what what way you're going to turn out. And it's the smaller teams you need to look after. So I think that's that's our main focus and main goal at the minute after obviously the big ones, you know. And Barry Gray's been a, a busy man getting this squad assembled. There's quite a lot of new faces come in. Uh, judging by the results, they seem to have settled in very quickly. What's your impression been of some of your new teammates? Yeah, some uh, obviously some of them came in last year, last January, and I was injured at the time, so I didn't. I got to watch them play. I didn't get to train with them, but I seen them play, and they could tell that they're decent players. And then this year playing with them, you can just the experience of uh, Savin. That's who's Dundalk. He's won the league with Dundalk. If Piercy has won the league with Sligo, if Swanee, Killing Dillon, DC, just all the Luke Gallagher, all the boys he's brought in are real top quality footballers, and I think. They were at the stage where they weren't really getting what they should have been getting from football, and they've came to us with a completely new leash of life, and they've they've excelled. Like they're very, very good players. So it's it's good to see. I think it's probably the strongest squad. So, but it is the strongest squad I've been involved in since I've been at one point. That's three years now, so it's positive. And that is, you know, you can look at the league table and see that we're only seven games in, granted, but seventh in the table, you're currently above Corian and Glen Torin, and you'll take that whilst it lasts, certainly. Yeah, it's nice, it's nice, but as, as I said earlier, it's that's where us as players, and obviously we're still a small club, but us as players, we believe that we do have the ability to, say, beat the so-called top teams, so... I think at the minute we'll take it as it is, but it's there's a long way to go, and you can't uh, you can't say oh we'll beat Linfield and Drew Ballarn. You know you need to you need to push on. So we're looking to push on and just take game at a time, and hopefully to stay there on the table there thereabouts. That's good, but you just want to keep getting as much results as you can. You know. On a personal level, for you, it must just feel brilliant to be back playing football again. At the beginning of last season, unfortunately, suffered a really bad injury. You were stretched off, and then you were getting ready to come back uh, into full fitness and get game time when the season ended. Then, obviously, we know what's happened this year. And as you say, there was also a period where you had to self-isolate. You must have thought, am I ever going to get a a run of games in football again? Well, that's what Barry said. Barry says you just don't want to play football again. (laughs) Never said about the self-isolation. But uh, I, so last year, was was desperate, to be honest, waiting about and I was waiting. I had to wait a while, and my ankle settling down before I got surgery. Got surgery, another load of weeks out, and then you have your rehab after that. So then, once all that was done, it was kind of, I can't, I think it was kind of rushing it, you know. So by the time I think with a game on the Saturday, and I played a reserve game on the Wednesday, and it didn't feel right, but it kind of didn't let on. And then 
the game, get caught, or the league got called it then on the Friday. So then I was kind of glad because I wasn't ready. And I, in my head I wasn't ready, but I wanted to be ready, if you know what I mean. So it was actually a good thing that the league stopped for whatever load of months it did, you know. And obviously with that duration, it was a serious ankle injury as well. Uh, for anyone that doesn't yeah. know, what, what, what was officially wrong with you? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, it's called a it's called a high angle sprain. Um, but whatever it was, it was great. I can't really get into the details of it because I don't know exactly how to explain it. But it was bad. It was a high angle sprain, and it needed surgery to um, recover. And I had to get a, a thing called a tightrope in. So it's it's like a screw, but it's a bit safer than a screw. So you get the tightrope in. It's literally a bit of elastic that goes in between the two bones down beside um in my leg, tibia and fibia, I think. Yeah. And then they they work as the same do, do the same job as a screw, but they're they're more safer because it's not it, if it snaps or whatever, it's not gonna require surgery to get it removed or I don't know, to be honest. Well that's you'd have to, you'd you'd have to ask job. the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was talking to one for that was a that was uh, a good explanation as far as I was concerned I could picture that. Um it must have been very painful. Does it still give you bother now in the winter months or are you or how are you faring? Um well, that that's another thing to say. Obviously, in the winter, if you have screws, there's you've, you're gonna get you're gonna get pain because mm-hmm. of the coldness and stuff. But with this at the minute, no, it just now and again would swell up or um, get a bit inflamed. But you just have to keep keep on top of it with the mobility and stretching and icing and all that carry on, and it'd be alright. So it's not as bad as a screw, but it's it's um it's been fine so far. So touch wood, stays like that. It's a strange time, obviously, because we're back playing behind closed doors again, and um, we'll leave that to the powers uh, that be. Mm-hmm. But uh, for you as a player, what's that experience been like? Because I'm sure you want to get back playing in front of your fans as well. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's strange. Um, so we used to as like we played Lim- as a play Linfielder the other day, and used to them in spring and I don't know seven eight hundred. So mm-hmm. the, the the grounds packed, including our fans, and then the other day it was just. Just before the game, it was just weird. You know, it, there was no, not that there was much noise anyway, but it was just, I don't know, it was just strange, very strange. Just that there was no, no atmosphere, no, no one talking or even shouting, and no one even like slobbering to you or anything from the sideline. No. You enjoy a wee <laughs> bit of that, do you? you? You get it everywhere, no matter <laughs> what you do. Like, you, someone says something to you, like, and you just have to laugh it off because it is funny sometimes, even though they're taking a mick out of you. That's that's obviously another side of the to our game, and some of the grounds are, are are very, I guess, close in with the fans, and, and you know, in terms of the the shape of the stadium, and Milltown's one of those where they're they're nice and tight to you. I can say nice and tight because I'm not on the pitch taking it, um, yeah. but you hear what people think. I uh, well, I heard the other we were playing Balmain the other day, and someone shouted on, um, "You're a reject, Balmain a reject." I was like, oh, "Fair enough, <laughs> <laughs> take it, alright, fair enough." There's you a, know. you're not getting a Christmas card from him then. No, definitely not, no. <laughs> how how far do you think this Warren Point side can go? Because I, I'll be honest with you, I was asked on a, another programme what I thought at the very start of the season and, and hadn't seen yet that season. Says, well, yeah. they're going to be one of the two or three teams down around the bottom. You know, they could finish bottom. And uh, I think uh, your chairman was very quick to send me a message and said, just wait at yeah. EC. And yeah. so far he's proven me wrong and I'm delighted that you are. Yeah, that's what we want to thank you because you're you're actually our motivation for this year. So <laughs> thanks very much for that. No, I don't know. It's just listen. It's you take every game step by step. Obviously, last year with 
you could say we got lucky because of the league stop and stuff. But this year it's going to be completely different, I think. We're just going to take one game at a time. And I, there's belief that we can beat we can beat anybody on our day. And just to, just it's us as players, we have to show up and prepare right and all that there. But I just think we'll just take it one game at a time. And listen, the, the main aim is to avoid relegation. And once we do that, and you take it step by step and you see how far you can go, you know. It's always good talking to to someone who's just relishing uh, their football again. It was funny when I was looking um, just before you came on, had a little look um, at some of your achievements in your career. And there's one that I find that I think is a bit more obscure. But when you were playing for Northern Ireland's under-19s, you came up against some talented players in the German squad. Um, I think it was a game in the Korean showgrounds. I was having a look through. There's a lot of Irish league players were in that team along with you. Said Kalasinac uh, at that point was representing Germany at underage level before he changed uh, nationalities. Uh, Antonio Rudiger, the, the, the boy from Arsenal, the boy from Arsenal, he was playing against See, you. I don't even know him. Well, this is this is what I was wondering. Antonio mm. Rudiger, obviously now at Chelsea, and Julian <sighs> Draxler, who's at PSG. Because when you're 19, you kind of don't notice who you're playing against. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. So I thought nearly 10 years on, that would be a nice wee one for you to go played against him, played against him, played against him. Uh-huh. I remember playing against Drexler. I remember Drexler because I remember actually running up a lane and he must have run from his own box. I jogged from his own box and shouldered me and I went flying like so. <laughs> I remember him and I always stuck in my head Drexler was there but I didn't know uh, didn't know Rudiger and then Klasnitsch. It's might have to look back on that one actually. There you go. So you can, you can check it out. Uh, October 2011, I think it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... I remember um, I had in that game, just saying that, Megan McLellan scored from, I think it was about 40 yards out, and it bobbled in, bobbled in the net somehow. But then when I the second half, I think it was 6-1, maybe, 5-1. So, didn't end too well, but Megan McLellan scored a wonder goal. So, good at him. Well, he'll, do you know what? He'll love that shout-out, particularly as you've made sure that it's 40 yards. You know, it wasn't uh, 30. 40 was, yards yeah. out, but I don't, don't know what the keeper was at. <laughs> not bad at all but uh yeah if anyone wants to go and check that out it was october 2011 uh just found it there uh, mm. on the computer in front of me so uh those players were playing some other decent ones too but uh, for me those are some of the standout names the so, uh, does it get better than draxler to come up against who's the best player you faced um i don't even know um i'd say at the minute i'd say i'd say one of them boys now but at the time i wouldn't have said that like but no, looking back at it, you're going Draxler probably. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, uh, not a bad shout at all. Well, Fra, it's been lovely catching up with you. I hope that uh, Warren Points form continues to do well and you continue to, to make a point of making me look like an idiot for my pre-season predictions. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah. for coming on to the show, mate. All right, mate, no problem. Thank you. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, we have him on the show, folks. Uh, the man of the moment, club captain and Lawrence hero, Jeff Hughes, tucked away the winning penalty in the County Antrim Shield final to give his hometown team that piece of silverware they have been waiting for for 33 years. He joins me on the line now. And Jeff, what a moment for you. What a moment for Lauren. Um, just how special was it? It was unbelievable. It's- Probably, uh, it's probably been the highlight of my career so far. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I know people say it's only kind of them shield, but it, it's more the, the getting the first piece of self-aware 
coming back home and where we've been to to where where we are now. It's uh, it's a whole uh, roller coaster of emotions, to be honest. When I was talking to you at the kit launch, if you think way back to the beginning of last season, and you were talking about your aspirations coming home, obviously there was a lot of interest with you being back in Larne, and you said, I just want this team to have silverware. I, I want to win things here. And for it to come from your penalty, um, it must make it that bit more incredible to believe. Yeah, well, I've been quite lucky in having a few few special moments where you, you, you've you got either the winning goal, the winning penalty, or the way I ended my career in England. Um, but to be honest, it wasn't really. It was Connor last night. He was the main man, you know, two penalty saves. Not to mention the boys who started the game. So, you know, it, it, it was brilliant for me in a personal note. But we're very much a team outfit this year and in the last couple of years. And everything we're working towards is is a team and a, a sort of community aspect to it more than just 11 players. So, uh, thankfully, I got the winning penalty. But as I say, it's, it's more than an individual at large. And obviously, as you say, coming off the bench, was it difficult to uh, accept you weren't going to start that game? Obviously, having been a part of the last senior final that uh, Lauren was involved in the 2005 Irish Cup final, which you're probably sick of being reminded about at this stage, to, uh, you know, that conversation with Tiernan, where you, did you have to just take it on the chin? Yeah, well, I'm getting to that age now where three games in a week, but probably not be at your best, all three of them. So I, I had a wee... A wee, uh, sort of personal moment at, at, at the start of the season where I sort of realised that that might not be for me anymore at my age. And I, I spoke to the gaffer and he's been brilliant with me. Um, the fitness coach, Michael, it's, it's been absolutely outstanding. And they have programmes for me and, and you know, they, they, they keep me, keep me going and keep me, uh, keep me in the loop to what the plans are and what he's doing. And, and, you know, he's just got to accept that it's, it's, bigger than yourself it's, it's like I said it's a community it's a club it's not just about me it's about the whole team and uh, you know once once you can accept that you realise that you know you, you have to go with your head and leave your heart at home sometimes and you'll be hoping now this is a, a bit of a milestone moment you know this is the, the, the first of many how much I guess does it show about the character of your team when it was a frustrating old night. It probably at one stage felt like it wasn't going to go your way because as much as you had the ball, you were struggling to really create those chances. Yeah, I think Glen Thorne done actually, obviously their homework. We played them earlier in the season and it was quite similar actually the game. We had a lot of the ball, but probably shaped on chances, but they're, um, they're obviously probably the biggest and got the most depth in their squad. Uh, and by my opinion, in the league, they've got fantastic players not even in their squad every week, so they, they can chop and change it well. And, and it's, it showed last night, you know, where I think they went a bit more direct, but they still had a lot of quality on the pitch. And probably near the end of the game, it was more where, where they probably were a bit more on top. So I don't know. It, it's it's one of them. They're not really analyse that game too much and just take take the win out of it, you know. And looking at it now. You must be hungry for more success. Obviously, top of the league is exactly where a club of your ambitions wants to be. Um, is that part of the conversation this year? Last year, you were, I know the, the message was top six. I don't know how many people believed that, really. People are looking at you as title contenders. Yeah, well, it's nice to have that wee bit of pressure. It's, it's something that if you, if you want to go on and do well, you have to accept and you have to 
didn't have to take that burden, but we were very good at the end of last year. We really had a stride. We started this year, obviously, in very good form. And we just take the next, you know, it's an old cliche, but you just take the next game as it comes. And, and we've got a stronger 20 probably this year, as in we can change it up and not weaken the team. So, you know, touch wood that uh, we don't have too many injuries and hopefully we can keep the challenge up right to the end of the season. And of the players that have come in, Josh Robinson has settled into that first team so well, hasn't he? It looks like he's been playing with those players for a lot longer than he has. Josh has been brilliant. He's been absolutely just exactly what we needed this year. He's, uh, I'm sure you know him, he's an absolute fruit loop. You don't know <laughs> if he's coming or going. He's a strange kid, but he's been absolutely outstanding for us. Uh, and he's, he's probably been, he's probably been our, our best player this year, to be honest. Thankfully, he's sensible when the whistle blows. <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. You've plenty of characters in that squad as well. It, with the full-time environment, you get to be around them a lot more. You get to know each other a lot better. Does that help, do you think, when you have that bond, not just for the training and the shape and everything that comes with the professionalism, but the relationship relationships that develop also? Yeah, of course. You spend more time with someone and you obviously get to know them more, as you say, and and you obviously get to know a bit more into their personal life and, and, and we get to spend, you know, even when the, the boss comes over, when Kenny comes back, he, he likes to spend maybe a, a day with the lads and the families and, you know, maybe have a, a night out or a meal and, and we're encouraged to get to know each other and spend time with each other. Quite a lot of the players live in Larne or uh, in around Belfast, so, so we're all quite close-knit anyway in that aspect and it's something, again, that the club are... We're pretty insistent on it. We, we, we help each other out. And if somebody new comes in, especially the older players like myself, Marty, Marty, uh, Connor, we, we would make a point of helping young ones out, the new players, and make sure they're okay and they're settling in. And it sort of bonds, bonds us. And, uh, you know, you know what it's like. If you're friendly with someone and you like someone, it's, it's easier to, to go that extra mile for them. It was interesting. I was talking to Gareth McCauley when he was over and we had him on the program. And he was saying that what Lauren are doing is the closest thing to being in England. Uh, he thinks it's a really, really impressive setup. Obviously, you have, have played across the water for a large part of your career. Uh, do you see that? Yeah, of course. It's what it's what we've modelled it on. It's what uh, Kieran's uh, whole blueprint was was basically modelled on. He went over and watched a few clubs, a few championship clubs, and he was over watching. I think he was over watching Rangers and Celtic, how they train, how they do things, and to the best of our ability, we have tried to mirror that and he's picked he's picked out what he thinks would suit Lauren out of what they do all these different clubs Kenny's obviously helped um, from breakfast in the morning to lunch to what we eat I mean you know it, it's very very professional we do prehab in the morning we do double sessions a couple of times a week uh, even uh, even you know a dietitian comes in and, and, and tells you what you should be eating outside football and you know it's it, it, it's actually it's actually better than some of the clubs I've been at in England. That's uh, incredible to hear. For some of the younger players, that must be a, a culture shock. Maybe some of the players as well that have come from different clubs. If you're used to that full time setup, that's one thing. But if you're someone now monitoring your diet, you're thinking, I like the wee sneaky burger before. What's happening here? <laughs> Strangely enough, it's the older players. It's it's harder to <laughs> you know boys that's maybe been about Irish League for ten, twelve, fifteen years. It's it's trying to get them to change sometimes harder. Young boys, you can kind of mould in and 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 sort of 
it's like I say, you can mould them and they get used to it. And, you know, the younger ones are like, they just adapt to everything. Where the older ones, like myself, and that we, we try and, you try and lead from the front and show people that there's, there's benefit to it and maybe use your experience to tell them this is how you do it and this is how you have to live your life. And, and, uh, and sort of, the, the more you have doing it and the more you have that are, that are experienced at it, then it's easier for the rest to follow, you know, and it's easier for them to see, well, they're doing it. We'll, we'll have to do it and it must be doing some good for you. So, you know, I think we took a wee while to settle in, but we've got a couple of years of it now. And ones like Josh and that, who's come in, have just fit it straight in. Andy Mitchell and we Andy Scott. Andy was at Agrington anyway, but, you know, he, he would even say to us that, you know, we, we, we what we're doing is, is, is just as good as what they do. So it's, uh, it's all a work in progress. Very much exciting times, and I hear that they're particularly hard on you in training. If you if you don't hit, um, is it your heart rate monitors on, and if you aren't hitting the right numbers, you're staying back out there. Well, it's 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 not so much distance; it's your high speed running. You know, if you can't replicate certain percentages of your game, temp, temp, you have to. So, if you're not hitting seventy five percent on a Tuesday, and you have a game the following Tuesday, it's hard for you to get that up to that level. So. You have to hit it in training every week to make sure when the games come around say on a Tuesday that you can hit that again. So there's 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 logic behind it. You know, it's not just run until you drop. Them days are gone. Yeah, the sports science is definitely coming through. And just because you you've talked a little bit about you know injuries and understanding that starting every game isn't going to be practical, particularly in a season like this. Have you a thought about you know after your playing days, coaching anything like that? Well, I've had a few conversations with Tiernan uh, and Kenny, and, and you know, I, I'd definitely like to help out at Lauren. Uh, we, we've had a few chats with stuff, but to be honest, at the minute, there's nothing set in stone. So I'm just trying to concentrate on football and, and helping out as best as I can, whether that be playing or off the pitch or trying to lead by example and, and show the young lads how to live their life. Because, you know, as I was told when I, when I when I first went to England, it, it's a very short career and it, it goes in the blink of an eye, you know, it's, it's not a 40-year career, it can be a 5-10 year career, so we're trying to get the best out of what we've got and, and, and keep improving what we've got and make players better. I've got a role in that, helping the, the gaffer in that too, you know, so uh, at the minute I'm just concentrating on that. And now that the moment's gone and obviously you, you dispatched your penalty, was there ever any doubt in your mind? You can be honest at this stage because you know more than anyone in that squad what that moment meant. I mean, I was sitting beside John McKinstry, who's obviously played for Larn. His father managed Larn. You know, that, that family has always been associated, it feels like, with the club. And he was quite emotional watching that. So I could see through his eyes what it meant. But you, as you were running up, was there any doubt or any of those thoughts crossing your mind? Yeah, I had this conversation with the gaffer last, last night. Um, I was actually pretty nervous going up the head. Usually, I'm usually I'm fine with penalties, um, but I was a bit a, a bit nervous. The, the moment wasn't lost on me, but I always just think, you know, penalties is a lottery. We tried to say that before, you know, to take the pressure off. But once you're up there and you're on your own, it's very very eerie too with no fans. Usually. A little bit of abuse usually helps to spur you on, so it was very eerie, and, and thankfully, thankfully it went in. And I think it was one of Bill's brilliant photos that captured the moment, but I spotted Albert Watson hiding, <laughs> hiding behind. Oh, I was okay. standing behind Big Josh, kind of going, "Oh, I almost couldn't watch." And considering he's 
normally the bravest player on the pitch, you could understand in that moment why there would be those thoughts going through his mind? It's just, you know, when you're playing, you feel like you have some sort of control over the game. You can change the game, you can score, you can defend. But when someone else is hitting a penalty, it's, you kind of feel helpless, you know. So it doesn't matter how big and how brave you are, you're up there on your own. It's You know, it's a very strange time of football where you don't have 10 other players backing you up. And uh, last thing from me, uh, in normal times, I'm sure Tim McCann would have been leading an almighty party in a social club or a bar somewhere in the Larne area. Um, Social distancing parties, I'm sure, are nowhere near the same. I know they're not for a fact. But uh, you're hoping to maybe get a bit of a a team celebration in the new year, um, rules permitting? Yeah, well, we've had a few things that have been cancelled, a few meals and stuff that have been cancelled. So... um, we have uh, a game next uh, Saturday and then next Friday. So the rules upon the end, I think, on Friday night or Thursday night. So we'll maybe be allowed a beer after the game on Friday if, if, if the rules are lifted. There you go. So play well against Glenavon this weekend. Get the job done next weekend. And you might actually be allowed to crack open a can or two. It's, it's a long shot that we might, but we <laughs> might be allowed to. I tell you what, that's better than a bonus. <laughs> Bonus. Well, you've earned it. Um, Jeff, thank you for coming on to the show and congratulations for that fantastic achievement with your club. Thank you very much. The score with Michael Clark. Oof, the guests come thick and fast on this show, don't they? Jeff Hughes, wonderful having him on the score this week. And we're not done there. It must be that time of the week again because guess who's back? Colin Hopkins. Good to have you on the score once again. Afternoon, Michael. Nice to be back again. Yes, good to have you back. And before we get your predictions, something that uh, maybe none of us predicted. Big news from Niffle this week. The managing director, Andrew Johnston, obviously well known to uh, most of our listeners, certainly well known to you and me, uh, taking up a new role within the Irish Football Association. He's leaving his MD post at Niffle. Your thoughts? Yeah. I was surprised, to be honest. Obviously, you know, the email came through there sort of you know, on Wednesday or so, to sort of from Andy directly to various clubs, this is what was happening. And I do have to admit that I've had no inkling whatsoever in advance that anything was going on behind the scenes. I mean, it's not necessarily easy to sure decided overnight. So I'm sure it has been going on while other people were aware or not. I'm not sure aware, but certainly from our viewpoint, we, we certainly weren't aware this was happening. I wonder uh, who will be in line for the job next, because as part of the statement, uh, it says Andrew will be with us until Friday the 8th of January, and the Niffle board will meet in the coming weeks collectively to determine the next steps for the company. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting choice. I mean, I certainly wouldn't want it at this stage in time, to be honest, and it's going to be a, a much harder sell now than what it would have been a few years ago when it first, first became available. I'm very sad, I have to say, to see Andy going. I, I know he's came in for a lot of slack over the last year and so forth with some of the decisions we made, but I think they've been dealing with a very, very difficult situation. Certainly a lot of unknown territory that clubs have never been in before, to be honest. So for anybody to have that thrust upon them, it must have been an absolute nightmare. And I think, I'll be honest, probably the pressure is maybe, so maybe taking us to a little bit on him. I know he obviously is a family and so forth. So, I mean, if you have people criticising you left, right and centre, eventually it does quit crack a wee bit, to be honest. So, but we certainly wish him well on his new job, to be honest. And it is a, it's a crucial juncture, I would say, for the Northern Ireland Football League, obviously, given the current situation, etc. So it is important that they do get somebody on board who can drive it on to the next level once, once Ali, Ali goes. 
what do you think his legacy will be? I mean, he, he took over in June 2013. He, he previously worked for the RSFA. How do you think he's going to be remembered for the for the impact in his time in that position? Well, I would like to think it'll be a positive memory, so to speak. I mean, certainly the league was going 100% in the right direction right up to this you know, coronavirus situation. I mean, crowds were up, the standard football was up, you know, the clubs were doing better in Europe. Things were generally moving very, very positively right in the right direction. And the whole, the whole local game has got a major boost over the last few years, so things were definitely on the up. And I would hate to think that, to be honest, his legacy would be tarnished in any way by what's happened over the last few months. As, as I've said before, it was, things weren't really his fault at the end of the day, you know. So hopefully people, when he does go, will, will have a positive memory of him. And certainly from a personal viewpoint, I've always found him well to work with, to be honest, any questions or queries. Uh, I think we've only, you know, I can sort of contact him and he's been very, very helpful in terms of coming back and he does respond, etc. I think we've only had one falling out over the entire duration, which is what he does. I'm not going into the details on that one. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I love a bit of gossip. Um, no, it's obviously a, a huge job and uh, the Northern Ireland Football League since its formation has made a very positive impact on football in this country I think it's fair to say and Andy has definitely played his part in that so we wish him all the very best for his new role with the Irish Football Association and it'll be interesting to see who steps into those shoes big ones to fill now moving on to the fixtures themselves five games taking place on Saturday but there's one happening Friday night. Dungannon against Coleraine. Yeah, very much so. And a, a very important game, even at this early stage of the season for both sides. Both sides going through a bit of a, a slump, I suppose, at the moment. Um, Dungannon, obviously, last week with a heavy defeat at the Oval, though I haven't said that, despite the, the nature of the final score, I think, probably for the first half hour or so. They certainly gave as good as it got against Glentor, and it was just about this point then once conceded the segment, it seemed to fall apart a wee bit. But, so... Uh, Dungannon really do need a few points on the board. I mean, I think the worrying things we've talked about more or less every week so far is the lack of goals. Um, yes, they scored against Lentorn, but still only four goals and seven outings, so that's not exactly great. And they'll need to sort of increase that if they're going to try and move themselves up the table. As for Coleraine, they're currently sitting in eighth position on the table, which is a position probably we didn't expect to see them in. You know, at the start of the season, we thought that they're up there right at the top challenging, but it just hasn't really happened. And 13 points off the top of the table already, I would suggest that they had chances of you know, in terms of the top end of the table, they've already gone in terms of the season. So, important game for them as well to try and get things back on track. So, important match for both sides. It is incredible to think that, isn't it? If they win their game in hand, which they have over league leaders, Lauren, they will be 10 points behind them. There's such a long way to go. It isn't inconceivable, but it does speak to the quality of the teams at the top of the table that any side that should find themselves 10 points behind after seven or eight matches should then... Um, start to be, you know, have questions asked of them whether they're going to be able to make it or not. And unfortunately for Coleraine, it's been a disappointing start to the season. They they can't dress that up. They've four defeats already. Yeah, well, I think it's been, the way the fixtures have fallen haven't really favoured them as well. I mean, they've had a few games there. I mean, they've lost sort of three games in the last month or so, but they've all been against big sides who learn and field crusaders, to be honest. You know, those are hard games. But unfortunately, if you're going to be up at the top end of the table come the end of the season, those are the games you need to win. You certainly don't need to problem points to your, your main rivals, which unfortunately I have done on this occasion. So, uh, I haven't said that. The record is Stanworth, Stanworth, not bad. I think we won the last time out there, and it's, it's quite a while back, to be honest. But I mean, certainly, yeah, they'll be looking to bounce back, you know, even Friday night. Well, uh, it's an opportunity for them to do that. Dungannon were 
recipients of a rather heavy beating uh, at Glen against Glen Torin. You know, looking at that, it'd be interesting to see whether they can respond against Coleraine, who have had a tricky start to the season, or whether they're in for another difficult uh, day out. Yeah, well, I mean, it's always a difficult place to go to in Timgan, no matter how early they seem to play, they always seem to be able to raise themselves at home. The one thing going against them, obviously, this time would be the lack of a crowd, to be honest, and with their own supporters in to sort of support them, uh, obviously behind closed doors and so forth. So uh, if I was making a prediction for it, I would say cool in to, to narrowly win this particular fixture. Okay, we will uh, move on to the Saturday games. And well, I should say, Dungan and Corinne is a streamed match. You'll be able to watch that online. The BBC are putting that one on if you want to watch that half seven Friday night. Um, Saturday, there's four games taking place at three o'clock. Um, of those, plenty of exciting ones. I'm going to be at Sea View again. Crusaders against Glen Torren, and well, Glen Torren beaten on penalties. It was a much changed side. I would would imagine it's going to be full strength come Saturday. Yeah, you'd expect them to return normal sort of a starting eleven and so forth. I mean, all the talk during the week about they weren't too concerned about the kind talent and things like that. I mean, I don't know what people make of all this. To be honest, there's probably been some stuff said which shouldn't even said on all fronts, but that's another story for another day. Uh, but Lentorn sort of find a little bit of form in the league now. Obviously, after a bit of a dodgy start, good result at Windsor the other week. Obviously, as you've said, they're a great one against Tunkhannon last week. You know, uh, the front line now seems to find their feet and they're finding the back of the head quite regularly. So. So they certainly look as if they're sort of moving up, you know, on up the table. In terms of their opposition crusaders, I think they'll come away from last week very, very disappointed. You know, they have lost Glen Adam, especially when they're taking the lead so early on the game. You'd thought that maybe they'd had the nice to sort of see that one through. I know it's a long time to have to defend and they'd have an option expect them to attack, but at the same time, it was a disappointing result from their sort of viewpoint. So it's important that they sort of turn this, what's been inconsistent sort of last month, into sort of a more sort of consistent one of the are going to be. This league table, as I feel like I'm going to have to say every week for some time, will be chopping and changing a queer bit, I, I would imagine. I think it's impossible to think that's going to finish in the shape and form that it currently is when you look at some of the positions that clubs occupy. Glen Torin, if I can find a positive in their defeat, it, it wasn't a classic match, nor was their last encounter with Lauren either. But if you make eight changes against a team who have been fantastic. I mean, Lorne are unbeaten in 13 games across all competitions. If you make eight changes against that team and still are able to hold them to a draw, you would think that that shows the squad depth, the quality that's there, and then you just have to hope that your starting 11 can be even better. And we saw a glimpse of that last weekend, obviously with the five goals. We saw a bit of it at Windsor Park in the 3-3. If they can cut out conceding a couple of silly ones, they're starting to show their promise at the other end. Yeah, as you say, I mean, they're fine now. They're great in terms of the goals going. Just need to sort of start closing the door a bit more tighter at the back from that sort of viewpoint. Having said that, we've mentioned there about Cool Rain have been well out of the, the chase for the title. I suspect they're in torn already, already way out of the chase for the title. I mean, is it, I think 14 points adrift for the title or the, the summit at this point in time. So, even with a couple of games in Aline, if they win them, they're still eight points adrift. Yes, there's a lot of football to be played, but you're on the other sides, you know, slipping up along the way probably as well. So it's going to be very, very difficult to really make a point of sort of a strong title chance. I suspect we'll already did, so we'll see how it turns out. Well, you just have to remember, though, if if they win their head-to-heads, if, if they finish in the... Obviously, they'll need to finish in the top half of the table if they're going to have a title challenge, but if that's the case, then they're going to play Larn three times. They've drawn with them once, beat them twice. There's six points off that nine that you're talking about. So yeah. all of a sudden, um, that... 
becomes a possibility. Nothing, nothing is uh, beyond the realms of possibility. But uh, who knows? What way is it going to go then at Seaview, though? That's what I want to know. Crusaders or Glentorn? Who wins? I think Lintorn are on a bit of a metal roll at the moment. I think the confidence is back after sort of a dodgy start of the season. I suspect they'll go to see you and get the three points on Saturday. Sorry, Stephen Baxter, if you're listening. Uh, not good news, according to Colin Hopkins. Uh, let's, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> let's look at Lauren then. We've already heard on the programme from their captain, Jeff Hughes. Uh, understandably delighted after their first senior trophy since 1987, ending that 33-year wait. Well, the good times keep on rolling this weekend. Glenavon, as you pointed out, good win for them against Crusaders. They couldn't pull off a, another big scalp here, could they? Uh, it's possible. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, Glenavon seemed to be one of the inconsistent sides in the league. You just don't know what you're going to get maybe from the week to how well they're going to play. They've had a couple of good results in the last few weeks. So it's not as if yes, they're not push, push Lauren hard. Having said that, the record at Denver is not fantastic. I think they lost quite heavily early on last season. I remember it was 6 or something lost, but then they, they have been there since and they've only lost one nil. So uh but the, the record in terms of you know the results at Denver is not exactly great in the last couple of seasons. So I'm not sure if that's gonna change over the weekend. Lauren go into the game very, very points. You said the first trophy win in, in so many years to be honest and a lot of people were trying to dismiss themselves rather than the county of the But as we both know at the end of the day, once you get a trophy under your belt, all of a sudden the confidence builds and there's nothing to say they can't be drawn to sort of for larger honours during the course of the season. You know, don't really learn out in terms of this league title either. They're obviously sitting top at the moment, and I know, I know things can change quite rapidly. They have a massive game next weekend against Limfield, which could be a, a telling story in terms of that when it comes round. Uh, but uh, you know, certainly don't really learn out. They can, you know, the bits between the table at the moment are so high far they can, they can actually push it this season. Okay, let's get a couple of quick predictions for the other two games kicking off at 3 o'clock, and then we'll get your thoughts on the big game at half past five. Of the remaining two uh I guess, regular kickoff times. Portadown and Ballamina, there's a game that has goals written all over it, surely. <laughs> You'd like to think so, cute and nil-nil draw. <laughs> um, we'll see how that one pans out. Portadown, and I know Matthews came out here and said there's no crisis, etc. You know, and only played six games, but I think the bottom line of it is that, you know, sitting bottom of the table at any stage is not good. They were very, very poor, and I said against Clifton the last week. Now, there might be different reasons for that, you know, obviously the rap played for a week or two. Didn't help the situation, but Cliftonville, to be honest, literally could have literally walked the ball into net so soon off from last week, and they really need to improve their standard. Uh, against the Ballymena side, who have seemed to have bounced back to from a little bit of foreign balance the last few weeks. Once again, when we Writing them off, Davy Jeffrey comes good and honestly to get a few wins under his belt. I think it's three in a row. I think they're one all of a sudden up to fifth or some place in the, in the table. So yeah, hopefully there will be a few goals written across them. The, up for me, my prediction for draws. Week. Oh well, I was going to say they don't do draws. They haven't yet. No draws. Four wins, four defeats. Yeah. You're saying uh, it's about time they got a draw. It's about time they got a draw. <laughs> so we'll see how it turns out. Okay, so you think a draw there, Colin? Uh, what about Carrick Warren Point? Uh, hard one to call this. Fair play to Warren Point. I mean, that was an absolutely fantastic result last week against Linfield, which any of us would have seen coming, to be honest. But that's Linfield and Lauren, obviously, they end up played in recent weeks. A result against Linfield, very unlucky not to, to beat Lauren. So Warren Point is certainly a much harder team to beat this season than what have been in previous ones. Carrick's season so far has been a bit of a stop-start sort of one, to be honest. Uh, but a disappointing defeat during the week against Palomino. There was a dubious penalty in that one, which probably went against them. So, but they do need a big win, because uh, obviously their next team Games are then touring Crusaders and Lawrence. So important for Carrick to get a win. Will they actually get it? 
I'm not convinced. I think Warren Point just had a little bit of confidence about them that night. He might sneak a win at Taylor's Avenue over the weekend. There you go. You'll make uh, Fran McCaffrey a happy man after him being on the programme earlier on. And the Half Five, another streamed game. You're spoiled for uh, live matches this weekend. Linfield against Cliftonville, no less, at Windsor Park. Sure to be a cracker. Yeah, you'd expect so. I mean, games between Linfield and Cliftonville, no matter where they're played, are always exciting games. So I don't see there's been any different from that sort of viewpoint. Linfield have stumbled a little bit. I mean, the last few weeks we thought you know, they were going to romp away with the league, but they've stumbled in the last couple of games, dropping points against them. Obviously, then losing unexpectedly, as we've said there, against Warren Point as well last week. Uh, they're obviously missing Andy Waterworth. He's six goals so far this season, so they're missing his goal power. But certainly they're a little bit disappointed in the last couple of games, and they'll certainly put terms of Bounce back against a difficult Cliftonville side, which are always you know, sort of hard to beat. But Cliftonville themselves have been a bit up and down, let's be honest, all season. Some fantastic results, a couple of some very, very poor ones, to be honest. And they'll have to try and find out what's actually causing that and try and get a wee bit more consistency in the game. Uh, good win last week against Portadown. Comes to that, we said earlier on there, Portadown were very, very poor against them, to be honest. The, the times it looked like they were playing a walking pace, and it was a, more like a training match for Cliftonville, Maryland, sort of a serious challenge, I thought, on the day. Uh, well, the one bonus from that is Michael McCrum scoring a hat trick. All of a sudden, he's finding the net again, and you know, he can continue to score in with another person hour. But in terms of prediction, I think being at Windsor, I think Linfield have to need to bounce back, and I expect Linfield to win that particular that game. There you have it, uh, tipping the win for the home team, Cliftonville. Can you prove Colin Hopkins wrong? That is uh, another exciting match that I will uh, certainly be looking forward to watching on Saturday night. Uh, we're out of time. Colin, thank you for coming on to the programme. Nice to be on as usual, Michael. Thank you to our guests. It's a bit of a winner's row this week, isn't it really? Julie Nelson, history maker um, with Northern Ireland's women and their achievements. Jeff Hughes collecting that silverware after the long wait. The Lauren captain who tucked away the winning penalty. And Fran McCaffrey, the, the captain of Warren Point, who made history with her first win against Linfield last weekend. So uh, thank you to all of our guests and thank you for listening. Until next time, all that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.